For centuries, humans have been growing alongside our botanical brethren. Our histories have mixed and mingled to bring us modern medical marvels, faded folklore, and everything in between. Of course, in order to understand the plant, we have to start with its roots. I'm M. Grubner Gaddis, and this is Rooted. Hello, and welcome back to another week of Rooted. Before we dig into this week's plant, I just wanted to take a second to thank you all for the love and support you've been giving to the show recently. I can't wait to see all of your beautiful faces with your new merch and keep making even more content for you. With spooky season coming up, I have lots of fun things brewing. This week, we're talking about a plant that's been used in everything from beer to bath water, yarrow. Yarrow, or Achillea mellifolium, is a part of the aster family with famous relatives like sunflowers, daisies, and is actually very closely related to chamomile. It's known for its distinct umbrella-like blooms filled with lots of adorable five-petaled flowers with rounded centers, just like most of its famous family members. It's also got feathery light green leaves that look almost fern-like. It typically has a two foot by two foot spread and gets about two to three feet tall. It's native to Europe and Asia, but has since been naturalized in North America, where it prefers drier, disturbed soil that can tolerate full sun to partial shade. In Greek mythology, Yarrow has made a bit of a name for itself as sort of an invincibility bath bomb. Take that, lush. The story goes that when he was a wee lad, Achilles' mom Thetis took him for a quick dunk in the river Styx, which was said to be filled to the brim with Yarrow's healing properties. As Achilles sat in the water, the Yarrow soaked into his skin, giving him its protective and healing properties and making him practically invincible. Except for his heel, which was blocked by his mother's fingers. And at first I questioned why she was just dunking her child headfirst into the river with reckless abandon, but I guess if you had to keep a hold of them, It makes more sense to hold them by the ankle than the wrist, since most of the time people aren't going for the ankles in battle. In another version of the story, it's actually the centaur Chiron that gives Achilles the knowledge of Yarrow, as this plant actually grew out of the rust on his staff. Anyway, because Yarrow is what gave Achilles his power, we gave it its botanical name, which roughly translates to the 1,000 leaves of Achilles. While the Greeks certainly relied heavily on yarrow, especially to heal wounded soldiers, they weren't the only ones using it. In fact, they likely weren't even the first, as yarrow was actually one of the many known herbal medicines found in graves of Neanderthals, along with chamomile and others. Native Americans, Norsemen, and many other cultures also relied on yarrow as a vital part of medicine. It's widely used to help heal wounds, due to its ability to stop bleeding quickly. For this reason, it's also very common to see its leaves used to pack wounds or as a poultice to help cover and protect them. Aside from wound care, Yara was and still is used to fight inflammation, and it's known to have antimicrobial properties. It was also commonly used to soothe both the body and mind. But of course, Yara wasn't just used in medicinal practices but also in spiritual practices and rituals across many different cultures, even earning itself one of my favorite nicknames of all time, 
The Devil's Plaything. Now that we're done basking in the glory that is that name, let's take a second to explore how we got here. In witchcraft and spiritualism, yarrow is typically used as a protective and cleansing agent, commonly called for in energy cleansing, protection spells, and even some healing rituals to promote spiritual healing and aura cleansing. It's commonly associated with the seventh chakra, the crown chakra, which sits between the spine and start of the head. Its name also roughly translates to thousands in Sanskrit, which is interesting given that Yarrow's botanical name also translates to that. This chakra is said to be tied to one's supreme self, which is where we can connect with the energy of the universe. Yarrow is said to be able to help cleanse and open this chakra, helping us to connect with the wider world, divine energy, will of the wider world, or whatever higher power you may believe in. Getting back to this whole devil's plaything element, not only was Yarrow super commonly associated with witchcraft due to cleansing, but it had also always been an important plant in herbalism. Something our Christian friends weren't too fond of during the time of the witch trials, which is about when this nickname came to be. But as if herbal medicine and spiritualism weren't damning enough, Yarrow was also commonly used as a flavoring agent in beer across Northern Europe for centuries. That was until my favorite beverage law, the Bavarian Purity Law of 1516, dictated that beer could only contain water, barley, and hops, because people were getting a little out of hand with the additives and lengths they were willing to go to make sure people enjoyed their beer. Lots of hallucinogenics and plants with addictive properties getting tossed into the mix before this law, which you can actually learn a lot more about in episode 1. As far as yarrow and beer goes, it was mostly added because it added a distinct herbal flavor that's been described as bitter, floral, and slightly peppery but also because it was said to increase the effects of alcohol and add a slightly drying finish to the brew, making folks who drink it more apt to go for another pint. Diabolical indeed. And plenty of homebrewers are still mixing yarrow into their own brews and meads today, with many reporting these same effects. One of the most intriguing recipes I saw uses a mix of yarrow, chamomile, and rose hips, which can be added directly in during the fermentation process or first brewed into a tea. I saw this as a traditional beer, but I bet it would also make an amazing mead, though most users did report having a headache after due to the strengthened alcohol effects, so most are suggesting one part yarrow to two parts rosehip and chamomile. As far as its use in general brewing, it seems like a little of this stuff goes a long way, especially if using the fresh flower heads versus the dried stuff, with many at-home brewers choosing to harvest wild yarrow versus growing it themselves or ordering in bulk online since it grows so abundantly in most wild landscapes. Aside from being used in alcohol, yarrow also added to its devilishly daring street cred by being a popular herb to smoke for a stimulant effect. This is very unlike most herbal remedies smoked at the time, which tended to have a sedative or depressive effect. However, much like in beer, when smoked, yarrow tends to make the user feel giddy, energetic, and even euphoric depending on the dosage. This is likely because both yarrow flowers, used in alcohol, and the leaves, which are typically smoked, contain a chemical called thujone, 
which you may remember from our episode on wormwood, as it's also the main active ingredient in absinthe. Thujone is a monoterpene and ketone that works by essentially blocking the receptors in your brain that tells it to chill out a little, while also causing your neurons to fire just a little bit faster, giving you that literal rush of energy and focus. While that sounds amazing, Thujone has also been shown to cause kidney issues and even seizures, which is why it's very important to use the plants that contain it sparingly and in proper dosage. Aside from being a sort of early day party starter, yarrow also had some more practical uses in the kitchen. For starters, it was commonly used as a spice back when things like pepper and cardamom were reserved for only the upper echelons of society. In those days, yarrow was commonly used where most of us would now turn to pepper, as its dried leaves and flowers have a slightly bitter and spicy flavor that lended itself well to the stews and other dishes that would have been popular amongst the working classes at those times. Because it grows so abundantly and has so many practical applications in the medicine cabinet and the kitchen, it's easy to see why folks had so many ways to use the stuff. While drying it as seasoning or tossing it into various medicines and brews was the most popular way to use yarrow back then, Today, people are also getting a little more creative with how they save and use it. In my search, I found all kinds of fun things people are doing with yarrow, from simple syrups for a unique latte, lemonade, or cocktail, to vinegars for salads, pastas, and even as a marinade. Apparently, even back in the Middle Ages, it was a popular choice to pair with pork. And of course, it's still a super popular ingredient for various teas, tinctures, and skincare products as it helps the body to fight off infections and heal just a little faster. While it's not currently being used in any major modern pharmaceuticals, it remains to be a staple in many herbalists' practices, with plenty of medicine cabinets around the world stocking it, where it's used to support wound care, digestive health, and general healing from things like the cold and flu. While there have been some early studies as to why yarrow is so effective at healing wounds, as far as I could tell, we don't have any conclusive chemical answers for what exactly is happening, just that something in yarrow really does help heal wounds faster. However, because it was used so widely for the exact same purpose across continents and cultures, I think it's a little more than safe to assume our ancestors knew what they were talking about with this one. And most things, honestly. Except for maybe their choices in dental care and reliance on bloodletting. I'm really glad we left hot wax fillings and leeches in the Middle Ages for the most part. While we may have left the horrors of early modern medicine in the past, we certainly didn't give yarrow that same treatment. Today, it's an extremely popular plant in landscaping due to its colorful compact blooms, high drought tolerance, and ease to grow as a perennial ground cover. When I was working as a landscape designer here in the Southwest, Yara was always one of my go-tos because it grows so quickly and can add a ton of color and texture without upping that water bill. Plus, bees love yarrow, so it's a great thing to add into the landscape to support your local pollinators and bring some biodiversity to your yard. They also make an amazing fresh or dried cut flower to add into bouquets, making them a perfect choice for really any of your garden goals. They are now widely available in about a million different colors, with some even having different colored centers, making them a super striking addition for any color scheme or garden style. Whether you're curious about traditional medicine or looking to impress your friends with a unique brew at your next cookout, 
Yarrow is a plant that truly has so much to offer, and one I think a lot of us take for granted because of how common they are across all landscapes. It's been a while since I've gotten to say this on the show, but next time you see a yarrow on a walk, I hope you stop to give it a little sniff and a gentle little kiss on the head, being mindful of bee butts, of course, while you think of the thousands of uses and tiny leaves these guys have. That's all I've got for this week, but I'll be back next week with more tall tales and true facts to dig into. In the meantime, if you haven't been, head on over to our Instagram to learn more about not just this week's plants, but all the others we've talked about. We'll also be posting more reels, recipes, and other fun stuff over there that you won't want to miss. If you like the show, please consider subscribing and leaving us a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at rooted.pod, we're on YouTube at rooted.podcast, and you can check out our website, rootedpod.com, for transcripts, updates, and so much more. Special thanks to Eric Cluxon for writing and performing our theme music, and of course, a special thank you to all of you for being here. Until next time, be kind to yourselves, be kind to the earth, and just like a plant, drink your water. <laughs> <laughs>